Hey guys, this is your host Shane. Welcome to another exciting episode of Radical Rocks. Today we have silversmithing jewelry and we are going to go deep, deep, deep into silversmithing. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. First thing I found was a geocrystal quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock of no name. Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, you can find lots of rocks. Cause radical rocks are everywhere. That's right. Radical rocks are everywhere. But uh, today we are going to go very in-depth on silversmithing. We're going to explore everything about silversmithing. Um, I'm your host Shane, as I mentioned before. We're going to talk about the craft of silversmithing. We will talk about design and inspiration. I uh, will share some of my anecdotes and experiences, different types of silversmithing. We'll talk about troubleshooting and problem solving, uh, sustainability, ethical practices, tools and techniques for silversmithing jewelry. All of that and so much more. This is a special edition. This will be the only subject of the podcast all about silversmithing. Last week we did a variety show, so let me know if uh, you like the variety shows. We'll try to pop one in now and again, or if you like the topic-specific episodes better, and uh, we'll try to cater those. Well, um, Radical Rocks, you can get us at YouTube. We've got some videos there, Radical Rocks, um, you know, kind of homegrown type thing there, and uh, just stuff I'm doing. I'm not a professional video caster, or I'm not even a professional podcaster as far as that goes. We do first-time, first-take. Um, <laughs> I've done editing on the videos just to cut out a lot of fluff on some of the newer ones, but the old ones are just pretty raw little clips. Um, also, you can get us on MeWe.com. Just look up uh, hashtag Radical Rocks. Rumble, if you want to find out more about some of the stuff I do in my spare time, some of the homesteading stuff, you can go to Radical Rocks USA. Twitter, we're on Twitter. Uh, hashtag Radical Rocks USA, Radical Rocks USA. If you've got any great ideas um, or you want to sponsor on the show or something, you can get a hold of us at RadicalRocksUSA at gmail.com. Guitar needs tuning, doesn't it? Well, today, again, we're going to go into smil uh, silversmithing. If you do lapidary and rock hounding, um, silversmithing should be a natural progression um, because with your rocks and stuff, uh, you're probably going to want to make some jewelry. Um, there is wire. Um, you can use wire wrapping techniques. That's a way you don't have to use the silversmithing. Um, I do have videos on silversmithing, how to set the torch, um, different steps that you might want to get into. But we're going to go into techniques involved in the materials, the shaping, the soldering, finishing, 
designs, uh, some of my own antidotes, different types of jewelry, what you can make out of jewelry, and um, we'll highlight the characteristics and popularity in the market. We'll do some troubleshooting and problem solving, some of the challenges that silversmiths actually challenge during the crafting process with some more tips. Sustainability, um, it's important in uh, silversmithing. There are some eco-friendly materials that might be out there um, or just the where the sources came from and then tools and techniques. Let's get into that. Let's start off with tools and techniques. Silversmithing is a fascinating craft that involves using various tools and techniques to shape, manipulate, and create beautiful jewelry pieces from silver. An overview of some of the essential tools and techniques used in silversmithing as follows. A saw. A saw is very important. A jeweler saw has blades for cutting silver sheets or wires and it comes in different grits and grains, so you can check that out. Files are essential. You will need a variety of jeweler's files. Most of these are smaller in size. Different shapes and grades used for refining the edges, shaping metal, and removing imperfections. Pliers are also essential. You want a wide variety of pliers, like the round nose or flat nose, there's also chain nose pliers, which are used for bending and shaping and holding the metal, um, making specific pieces that you might need in your jewelry, such as jump rings and other things that we'll get into. Hammers are very important. Most of these hammers are smaller hammers. Um, you will want different types, like a raising hammer. Um, this is one for banging it up. Plan uh, planishing hammer usually has a flat, smooth, polished uh, face, chasing hammers for forcing uh, the form and texturing the silver. You're going to want mandrels. Mandrels are tapered rods. Uh, mandrels can help shape rings, bracelets, bangles, things like that. Soldering torch. You're going to need some kind of a torch. Uh, there's a lot of different varieties of torches that you can see on the market. These are going to join different types of silver and components together. Solder is the metal alloy that you will need to hold this silver to uh, itself. And this will create a strong and durable joint between the silver pieces. We'll go into that a little bit more. A bench pin is essential. You're going to want a bench pin. They usually clamp onto your desk with a metal piece. And then there's a wood piece that goes into it typically that attaches to your workbench. This can provide some stability for cutting and filing smaller pieces, give you something to work on. An anvil is also beneficial. Several different types of anvils are good, but you'll want a basic one with a flat surface where you can use your hammer and some round surface where you can shape as well. Dapping set is various size of domed punches. These can be used for creating curved shapes in the metal and other types of uh, little Chisels and uh, things like that can also be valuable tools. This is kind of the, the basic list of tools that you're going to want to accumulate for your projects. Um, I also like a magnifying uh, glass with a uh, little alligator clips 
that you can hold pieces in a specific area. Some of them even have an attachment where you can use a pair of self-closing tweezers to hold a piece. Um, that is beneficial as well. Um, some of them even have a little stand on them. You'll probably want a uh, fire brick as well to do your soldering on to absorb the heat so you don't burn any other surfaces. So let's go into some of the techniques for um, silversmithing jewelry. Yes, we want to use techniques. Forming techniques are going to use hammers, anvils, and mandrels to shape the silver into desired forms like rings, cuffs, or earrings. So you can imagine this mandrel. It has a rounded shape to it. Um, have you ever seen how they size a, a ring? Sometimes they'll put the ring, they'll pull out this uh, metal, and it, it tapers down smaller toward the end. It's usually about a foot or so long and they'll put the ring on that to be able to size it up and see what size it shows on this mandrel. Well you're going to want a heavy duty steel mandrel not for sizing alone. You're going to want several of those sizing rings or sizing mandrels. Some of them can be made out of plastic for just sizing but you're going to want some metal ones because you're going to want to put that ring on there and, and maybe tap it with a hammer to bend it um, this could be a plastic hammer with a plastic face. Different hardnesses of plastic are beneficial for tapping silver around a round area. Um, I would advise that as opposed to using a metal hammer, which is going to really ding the face. So if you're using a type of silver that, um, let's say, uh, one type of silver that you would use a lot in a ring is a half round. So basically it's like a circle but cut in half. The flat side is what would be against your skin and the rounder side would be up. There's also double half round, which looks like two of those side by side. So it's got a double camel hump kind of and flat on the bottom. Double half round silver. If you're bending this around to make a ring or a bracelet or something like that, you don't want to hit it with a hard hammer. You want to hit it with something soft. You can use leather hammers. Um, there are the old rubber hammers, but smaller hammers that you have with different types of hardness of plastic on either side work quite well. Now, when you're making things like, you're forming things like a bezel, right? This is going to be uh, for like a pennant or a maybe a belt. You're going to put a cabochon in there typically and it's going to have a flat bottom on it. The stone is going to sit in there, the unpolished side is going to sit in there and then the edges are going to form around it, the bezel. Um, and you're going to shape that around that stone and, the, and there's techniques into that too. We'll talk about that because you're going to need uh, brandishing uh, tools as well, which are curved steel objects, uh, tools, hand tools to push the metal around the edge of the cabochon. And again, I've got videos on all this stuff. You go to uh, Radical Rocks at YouTube, you're going to see me doing the whole process of silversmithing from picking the solders, the tools, the files, making bezels, making rings, all this stuff is on there so you can visualize it. It's hard to, to put it into words, but the flat part of the bezel that you're making, it when you're cutting it, sometimes it gets misshaped when you're cutting it to size um, because you don't want to have to file off any more than you have to. You want to cut off as much as you can. So when you're cutting it, 
Um, it can get disfigured, the, the flat metal that you're using, the, the silver, and you can take a, a hammer and flatten that out. Sometimes you may want a hammer to make it look rough, to roughen up the texture of, of your silver work. So there's techniques for doing that too. So now soldering, again, these are the techniques that involve joining the silver pieces together using the solder and the torch. Um, this is critical for good connections. Solder comes in easy to medium to you know, uh, medium hard, medium soft, hard, uh, extra hard, all these different uh, designations for the solder tell you how easy it melts. If it says easy or extra easy, it's going to melt at a lower temperature. So typically what happens when you start out a piece of jewelry, let's use a ring, right? So we're going to have the round ring part of the ring we're going to have the bezel part, which the bezel is going to have uh, the flat back that the stone sits in, and then it's going to have the bezel trim around the edges. So we've got three basic pieces on this piece of work, right? So we want uh, to start off with the hardest type of solder. So we're going to use the hard solder because when we solder the next piece, we don't want to get as hot so that we're unmelting the first part that we did. So we use the hard to perhaps melt our ring together um, or we use it um, when you get to the bezel and the bezel edges it's a little bit more difficult to use the higher temperatures to connect the uh, trim around the bezel as it is uh, to the base of the bezel. It's a little easier to use the harder type of solders to uh, make other connections. So the natural inclination is to want to start off with the harder types of solder and to start off with the bezel. But that's not always going to be the easiest for you if you don't have some really good skills using the torch and the soldering. Um, but those are things you need to take into consideration. Again, watch my videos to get specifics on how I do that and you can see how I do it successfully. Texturing. Texturing, again, is a way of making interesting things in the surface of the metal. We can think of uh, Native American jewelry, or if you're not a Native American, then you would call it Southwest jewelry that you're making. Um, but this style of jewelry has different uh, embossings where you are banging the surface of the metal with hammers, stamps. There's also rolling mills and other things that you can use to change the surface of the metal to make it more interesting. Piercing, this is another technique where you're cutting intricate designs or patterns into the silver using a saw. Um, I have not really done that. That's an artwork that you can look up on if you want. Filing and sanding, this is a necessary evil. You're gonna spend a lot of time filing uh, and smoothing off edges. You're gonna need sandpaper at times to achieve a smooth finish. And then once that's done, you've got all the rough off and you're finishing up your piece, you're gonna to wanna to polish, um, you're gonna to wanna to finish buffing wheels, polishing compounds, uh, even a Dremel. I've showed how you can make a whole ring with a Dremel if you want, a silver ring even. But you wanna polish it up, shine it up, and make it look beautiful. Um, then there's another create, uh, another technique called um, reticulation and this technique creates unique textures on the surface of the silver by 
using heating and cooling. Um, this gives a particular look to the metal that is quite interesting. Other times, uh, if you want to make the metal look different, there's dyes and stains. Uh, the I think it's called oil of or sulfur of liver or liver oil or something like that. I'll talk about that sometime. That's a way that they get the black look to show up in the indentations of silver to give it kind of a antique look. And then finally, there's stone setting. Stone setting are silver that's been completed. Those techniques. Uh, like bezel setting or even prong setting, if you want to go at that level, are all techniques uh, that are related to silversmithing. Those are a few of the tools and techniques that silversmiths use to create stunning pieces of jewelry, and you can do it too. Uh, with practice and creativity, silversmithing can be very rewarding and an expressive art form. Now let's talk about silversmith design a little bit. So design is referring to the process of coming up with an idea, you know, the conception of it, planning, before you've actually made it. A well thought out design is crucial and guides the silversmith through the process of making it. So we're gonna talk about some of those key points in detail. Now, conceptu uh, conceptu conception or conceptualization, uh, talk about a mouthful of marbles. Coming up with this idea, the conceptionizing of it, the design process begins with your idea you can draw inspiration from nature, architecture, culture, emotions, personal experiences, um, maybe just a particular type of jewelry or style that you like. You can sketch this out, sketch your idea out on paper, um, print out some pictures of what you see on the internet. Get these drawings, visualize the piece, and work out the proportion and details that you want it to be. Okay, come up with some kind of a size. Or if you have a specific stone that maybe you have uh, done a cabochon, it's a freehand, freestyle, it's not a particular shape, it's a, a unique shape or design, you'll want to make your silver specifically for this. So think it out. Now once you've got this idea, you're going to have to get your material. And maybe part of the way you will come up with your design is going to a website and looking at the silver that they have available to help you come up with your idea. Now, if you're just starting out, you're going to want to use some of the basic types of material. But as you grow and come up with these designs, the choice of silver, gemstones, or other material can significantly change the overall look, and even the durability of your jewelry. Now, functionality. Silversmiths should consider how jewelry will be worn and the wearer's comfort. If you have a huge, bulky, giant design that's going to be unpleasant to wear on a finger or uh, it's constantly uh, pinned, it's constantly going to flip over backwards the wrong way, things like this are not aesthetically pleasing 
they're not functional and they're not wearable. So let's try to keep that in mind. Balance and proportion are important. Achieving a harmonious balance between the various elements used and proportions is critical for a successful design. If you use a ton of silver and a little tiny stone, it may not go over that well. It may need some more to it to balance it. You have to be adapted. You have to have adaptability. You may create a piece that can be adapted into a collection, allowing them to explore different styles while maintaining a cohesive theme. So if you're really going to go out on your own and try to come up with a line, this is what you're going to want to consider with your pieces. You want them to... Um, people will be able to look at certain pieces and go, that's different, but I think I know who did that, right? Um, within your circle of influence. Inspiration in silversmithing. Inspiration plays a pivotal role in driving creativity and innovation in silversmithing. It serves as a wellspring of ideas and emotions that the artists draw from to infuse their jewelry with a unique character and meaning. Now here are some common, common inspiration uh, things that inspire those who are making jewelry. Let's go over that. Nature. Uh, the natural world provides us with an endless array of shapes, patterns, and textures that can inspire jewelry designs. Cultural influences. This, this can be a big one. Cultural differences, cultural art, tradition, symbolism. The symbolism is awesome in different cultures. Can inspire intricate designs with cultural significance. Historical artifacts. Um, some silversmiths may draw inspiration from ancient jewelry and artifacts, uh, reinterpreting historical elements in contemporary pieces. Also, emotions and themes, personal emotions like love, nostalgic, um, resilience, all these things can be expressed through jewelry. Travel, can you believe that? Travel, exploring new places, experiencing diverse cultures can spark creativity and influence these uh, designs that could convey a specific message. Architecture too, also can uh, give you inspiration. Arches, columns, patterns, uh, different designs can inspire unique geometric designs that uh, can be employed in your silversmithing. Ultimately though, silversmithing design and inspiration go hand in hand, allowing the artist to create a one-of-a-kind jewelry that reflects their creativity, your skills, your emotional connection with your craft, and with inspiration as your muse and a well-crafted design, you can produce timeless and captivating pieces of jewelry that delight wearers and collectors alike. Now, let's explain different types of designs of silversmithing jewelry. I would say rings are a good place to start. Solitary ring, a single gemstone set on a silver band, often used for an engagement ring or a statement piece. Um, you can use a small cabochon, 
Stacking rings, thin, delicate rings meant to be worn together, creating a layering look. That's a good idea. Signet rings with engraved crests or initials, historically used for uh, sealing documents. All these things can be done. Necklaces, chain necklaces, a simple necklace made of silver chains available in various lengths and styles. Pennant necklace, now this is what I'm talking about. You want to have your silver pennant hanging from a chain showcasing designs or gemstones or cabochons, freestyle, any shape you want, hearts, ovals, squares, it doesn't matter. Choker necklaces, these are short necklaces that sit closely around the neck, offering trendy contemporary look. Um, bracelets are another one. You can have cuffed bracelets, open-ended bracelets that can be adjusted to fit the wrist featuring intricate patterns or even gemstones added onto that. A bangle bracelet, solid bracelet that slips over the hand and the rest of the wrist, available in various widths and designs. Charm bracelets, bracelets with dangling charms, even dangling stones can represent personal memories and sentiments. Earrings, stud earrings, simple earrings with a single gemstone, can be a metal design. Suitable for everyday wear. Hoop earrings are circular earrings that come in various sizes, styles, ranging from small, classic, large, and bold. Dangled earrings with suspended elements providing movement and adding elegance for the wear. Brooches. Silver brooches feature various designs like flowers, animals, abstract patterns, and are worn as decorative accessories on clothing. And then pennants. Silver pennants can be worn on chains and necklaces used as focal elements and other jewelry pieces. So let's talk about some of the classical uh, designs of silversmithing jewelry. This is uh, a few things that I haven't really thought about. Um, so hopefully you enjoy that. Filigree is delicate and intricate designs created by twisting and weaving thin silver wires together and can be quite impressive. Engraving um, decorative patterns, text, or images etched into the surface of silver. Um, a roof house is a technique where the silver is hammered from the back to create raised designs on the front surface. Texturing we talked about, <coughs> excuse me, adding various textures to the silver surface through techniques like gemstone setting, incorporating gemstones into the jewelry design, using settings such as a bezel, prong, or a pave. Mixed metals, combining silver with other metals like gold, copper, or brass to create unique color contrast. Uh, contemporary minimalism, min, minimalism, emphasizing clean lines, simplicity, Geometric shapes in modern jewelry designs. There's nature inspired. You can draw inspiration from plants, animals, and natural elements to create organic and artistic pieces. There's also Art Deco, a design style characteristic by bold geometric patterns, symmetric, um, and elegant lines. Those are just a few examples of a wide range of silversmithing jewelry types and designs. Um, silversmithing have the artistic freedom to explore various techniques and styles creating jewelry that resonates with their personal tastes and current 
fashion trends. So let's explain some troubleshooting and problem solving for silver smithing. Let's get into it. Troubleshooting and problem solving are crucial skills for silversmithing. You're going to run into problems uh, while you're doing it. And here are some of the common issues that you may face and some of the troubleshooting approaches to solve them. Soldering problems. Solder not flowing properly and creating weak joints or flowing properly is tough. You overheat, stuff's going to melt. You underheat, it's not going to stick. You've got to have a very clean surface. That is most primary. When you watch my videos, you'll see that uh, I pickle. It's called pickling. I use a little tiny, um, uh, it's kind of like a crock pot, a little tiny crock pot. I mix up a uh, pickling solution. It's a powder with water. You heat it up. You dip your silver in there. And um, you usually use... Uh, copper uh, tweezers or there's a way you can make your own copper tweezers I show you that in one of my videos I think and uh, you put it in there you let it soak for a while and then you pull it out you clean it um, keep your hands clean don't have dirty hands and the preparation it's got to be a nice smooth surface if you have jaggedy edges your your silver's not going to flow good you've got to have a good flux good clean flux on both sides of the material that are going to be attached. Your your solder, you want to cut it up into little tiny pieces and, and put those pieces all over. Sometimes when you heat it up, they're going to move around and pop. So sometimes a flat silver solder works better, where this actually looks like sheets of silver. Um, I find that stuff works really good. The wire silver is a little harder to use on smaller, uh, more delicate projects. But uh, I would suggest uh, you know cutting into smaller pieces and maybe hammering them a little bit flat so they don't pop and roll around when you heat. That can help. So learn how to adjust your flame until it's just right. Uh, properly position the solder. You've got to move that torch around. That is the key. And uh, once everything starts to get uh, kind of orangish and it starts getting cherry red, it's going to melt. It's going to fall over and you're going you're gonna to destroy your silver. So there's really a fine line. If you are attaching one thicker piece of silver to a thinner piece, that increases the difficulty. So if you can get your silver to be about the same thickness for the bezel material as the base plate, that's going to be easier. Now when you attach that to your main ring, you're going to want to, the main ring material typically for the ring itself is going to be thicker, and you're going to want to start the heat on that first. You're going to want to heat that up first and then just as the bottom of the bezel starts to heat, that's when it's going to flow. Okay, So that way you don't overheat the bottom of the metal. So that's one way you can do it. Warping or uh, distortion. This is going to happen as the heat uh, will distort the metal. Um, you can use heat sinks or tweezers to try to control the pieces you are soldering together. This can help. Um, but a lot of times what you're going to do is you may have to anneal your work. Now, once you've put solder on it, it's really difficult. You can't anneal it because you're gonna, all your solder is going to come off. But if it's a flat piece of metal, 
um, and it's gotten kind of hard and it's not workable, like you're trying to bend a ring around a mandrel or something and it's just too hard, you can anneal it. All you have to do is heat it up till it's cherry red, drop it in water, it's gonna be, it's gonna be very soft and uh, workable. That's how it works with uh, silver anyway, okay? Um, porosity issues, this is tiny holes or voids that are, could appear in the face of the silver. Um, this is going to be um, from overheating. Some of the silver is starting to uh, disappear or, or swell up. Um, you wanna use a reducing flame during the soldering to prevent this type of oxidation. Make sure that metal is completely clean before. Adjust the soldering technique to minimize that excessive heat and gas trapping that's taking place. So this typically will happen in a bezel. It's very tight, it has a high bezel. It's very tight area. Your flame uh, is taking up most of that space um, and you're trying to get the heat, you know, and the metals are usually a dissimilar size. Maybe your bezel is kind of, uh, the bezel material is thick and the base plate material is a little thinner. Um, this is a problem that can occur. So another good reason for beginners to kind of make sure the metals are pretty much sized. Cracking brittle metal. Again, this is happening during the forming or finishing. Um, again, once you've done your silver solder, if this happens, you, you may probably have to start all over again. Other than that, if it's a piece that you're bending, then you have to anneal it again. Um, so just don't overheat stuff. Um, learn, learn about how the, the metal, uh, when it gets red hot, um, you could be eating it up, or if your flame is, uh, is oxidizing. Uneven finishing issue, this is where the surface of the jewelry may have an uneven polishing or texturing. Uh, this is gonna be tough if you have an uneven surface. You, you've, I've used a Dremel to kind of grind down a spot where maybe the solder has kind of pooled up at the bottom of the bezel so your bezel's not nice and flat. This will make your stone kind of sit uneven inside the bezel. That's a good example. Um, if your silver's thick enough, you can use a something to uh, grind on a Dremel and, and eat up some of that area. Um, so try to use uh, constant pressure and motion during the finishing process. Uh, if you're sanding an area like that by hand or something around an area, like you have a, um, let's say you're, you're your silver is built up around the edge of the bezel. You've put the trim around the bezel on the base, base bottom of the bezel. Um, you will want to use longer strokes with the file as you turn the material, and that can help um, you have a nice, smooth finishing process. Again, use constant pressure and motion during the finishing process. Properly prepare the surface before applying any texture or polish. Next is gemstone setting issues. Gemstones may not be set securely or may sit unevenly in the setting. Um, again, we talked about grinding the um, material down. You can also use a epoxy to level it off. Uh, I have used even, um, you can use uh, JB Weld. JB Weld is a great way to level the bottom of a gemstone. If you have a really bad, uh, your gemstone isn't flat at the bottom, you can use it at the bottom of your gemstone and then shape it, or you can put it in the bottom of the bezel. Um, 
and then just clean up any of the stuff that might push out over the sides. I always like, uh, often like to use uh, epoxy in my setting, my bezel setting anyway, just to fill in any of those spaces so that my stone, uh, as it's worn, it, it, it gets looser, it sits nice and flat. So make sure it sets properly. Use uh, the techniques, if you're using techniques like a prong or a bezel or a, a pave setting, make sure the metal is well formed and filed to prevent a, to provide rather a nice fit around the stone. This is where using your brandishing tool comes into play. Again, the videos show you me using brandishing tools, different types in different techniques. Another problem with jewelry making is overworking the metal. Repeated hammering or bending is gonna to lead to metal fatigue. Um, you're gonna to need to rest it and anneal it. Perhaps if you crack something, you could do a repair with a solder. But again, if you have existing solder on the piece, you're gonna to have to use a softer solder. So if you've already used easy solder, um, it's gonna be very hard to use easy solder to repair your area. Metal pitting and staining uh, surface imperfections like pits or stains can appear on the silver. The solution is use appropriate cleaning and pickling techniques to remove the tarnish and oxidization, prevent prolonged exposure to harsh chemicals. Also, inconsistent sizing issues. You may try to make a piece of jewelry to fit a specific size, like perhaps you have a calibrated stone. Um, this can be difficult. You will have to um, use, hopefully you're not too far off. Um, you can um, do, there's a couple different techniques. You can try grinding the silver. You can try stretching a little bit. Um, you can tune the stone itself by grinding the stone down a little bit on the sides. Um, not too much, otherwise you have to repolish the, the face. But you can do these things the real solution is accurate measuring when you begin. Make sure you take into account the, medical, the metal's expansion during soldering. Double check the sizing before final finishing. So this is a process that you do the whole way. Again, you watch my videos. I show you how I size the band for the bezel around the stone, um, how I size the base plate uh, over and over again, rechecking it and tuning it. So troubleshooting and problem solving in silversmithing often involves a combination of experience, knowledge, and experimentation, and a lot of frustration, and even some failures. You will fail. You will have pieces you throw away. It, it goes in your junk silver pile. That's all I can tell you. That's the way it is. Start off with simple designs. Embrace the challenges and learn from your mistakes. Each issue presents an opportunity for growth and improvements in your craft. So now real quickly, let's talk about ethical practices and sustainability for um, silversmithing jewelry. It's becoming increasingly important to consider this in the world of silversmithing jewelry. We want to promote responsible sourcing, minimize environmental impact, and ensure fair treatment of people involved in jewelry making process. So let's just go over this real fast. Ethic practice in silversmithing jewelry, responsible sourcing. We want to obtain our silver sources from reputable sources that adhere to responsible mining practices. 
and work with suppliers that follow strict environmental and social standards that align with your values. Fair trade. Um, some people like fair trade certified silver, which ensures the mineral and the metal was sourced in a way that provides fair wages, safe working conditions, and community development. Conflict-free materials, ethical silversmithing, avoid using materials associated with conflicts of human rights abuses such as conflict minerals. Transparent supply chain, we want ethical pro uh, practices and transparency for the supply chain, tracing the origins of the material to ensure responsible sourcing. Artisan collaboration, some silversmiths collaborate directly with local artisans or communities to support traditional craftsmanship and empower local economies. So those are some of the ways, you know, we're all familiar with the blood diamonds. I don't think anybody wants to support, um, you know, children working in mines and, and being beaten and, you know, enslaved to do things. I don't think anybody wants to support that. So I think we could all agree on that. Um, and then from there, where your social um, values align, look into that and do the research because there are are many sources of silversmithing materials that you can purchase from that adhere to um, mo most, if not all of these standards. Sustainability in silversmithing. Remember I said save your silver. Um, it's so important. The silver can really add up. If you do this uh, to any level, even your filings can be recycled. Ethical silversmith may want to use recycled silver. That's available from most um, distributors. Um, and that eliminates the mining that has to be done. There's eco-friendly uh, eco studio practices that you can adopt, energy efficient equipment, water reducing things. There's chemical usage and storage. If you're using chemicals, make sure you um, dispose of them properly. Um, neutralize any acids and things like that. Don't just dump them out in the yard. Try to prevent environmental pollution. Low impact packaging is another consideration for eco-friendly um, impact. Longevity and durability. Creating high quality durable jewelry ensures the pieces will have a long lifespan, reducing the need for replacement. Ethical treatment of workers. Obviously, that's important. Embracing ethical practices and sustainability in silversmithing, artisans can contribute to positive change in the jewelry industry. Not only does it reflect a commitment to, to preserving um, the environment and the resource, it also aligns with a growing demand for consumers that want this type of product. They want an ethically made, environmentally conscious product. So guys, I hope you really enjoyed the article uh, that I wrote up today on silversmithing. I hope you, if you're interested in following through with silversmithing, you go to our Radical Rocks channel on YouTube and look at some of the silversmithing I'm doing. There's all kinds of other channels that do it too, but of course, you know, we want you to support our channel we thank you very much for your time. Until next time, remember, rockhounds don't die, we petrify.
but we never tune our guitar. <laughs>